We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for August 11th, 2010. And today we're going to be continuing with our Gulf update end time current event studies. Uh, we're going to be doing a few updates on the Gulf first here and then getting into some other material. Um, we'll probably be doing a study today which will be posted either tonight, which is Wednesday night or Thursday morning, and then another study again on Sunday. And um, that way we'll be all, we'll be all caught up with, uh, with everything. So first article that we're going to be talking about today regarding the Gulf is it's in, uh, entitled 40% of residents exposed to BP Gulf oil spill suffer from respiratory problems and skin lesions. Columbia University reports a survey of Gulf Coast residents exposed to the BP Gulf oil spill are suffering from a wide range of problems, including a shocking 40% who report either respiratory or skin problems. And again, you know, this is really noteworthy and newsworthy, and yet you see nothing about it on TV. We're seeing, oh, basically it's it's a, a moot point at this point. The the Gulf oil is... Uh, is um, dissipating, and uh, there's really nothing to think about, you know, anymore. This is what we're seeing increasingly more in the uh, corporate-controlled media. The survey conducted by Telephone in July after Deepwater Horizon Well was capped found evidence of a significant and potentially lasting impact of the disaster on health, mental health, and economic fortunes of residents and their children and the way that they live their everyday lives. The findings have implications for health and economic policies. Findings included 40% of adults living within 10 miles of the coast have experienced, said they have experienced direct exposure to the oil spill or the cleanup effort. Within this group, nearly 40% reported physical symptoms of skin irritations, respiratory problems, which they attributed to the oil spill. Over one-third of parents reported their children have experienced either physical or mental health distress as a consequence of the oil spill. One in five households report a drop in income since the oil spill, and 8% report job losses. Uh, more than one quarter of the coastal residents said those that they thought they might have to move away from the Gulf Coast, which would really make sense because I just cannot see how the fishing industry has any chance of coming back anytime soon, even though... This is what they're trying, the propaganda that they're putting out right now. I mean, can you in all confidence think about sitting down and eating a big plate of Gulf Coast um, seafood at this point? I mean, who in their right mind would do that? I, I don't care what they're telling you. You, you just, um, this stuff cannot be safe. Next article. Corporate news fails us again. Gulf is a kill zone. Uh, this is from Democracy Now!, Activist Jerry Cope stated that there has been a tremendous cover-up to conceal the whole situation from the public. Remember, even the corporate news has complained about the restrictions around the beaches. What has BP been attempting to cover up? In and around Orange Beach, Alabama, a massive amount of people are sick from a toxic mixture of oil and Kregs at 9,500. Cope stated that Orange Beach and Gulf Shores, Alabama are kind of like ground zero. Doctors are lost in the wind when it comes to proper treatment for the chemical rape of the people in the Gulf Coast region. Cope had this to say regarding his own health. Health. This is the doctor. He said, myself, I have pneumonia induced by chemical exposure. End of quote. Numerous fishermen have stated that a very large-scale operation took place to cover up the loss of marine life. We're going to talk about that uh, in depth in a little bit here. BP, along with multiple federal agencies, have literally gathered up the carcasses of dead animals disposed of them. At the same time, the corporate news continues to re report that wildlife exposure to toxic chemicals have been relatively minor. Workers at the source reported that the sea was literally full of animal carcasses, unreported by the fraudulent media, and the carcasses eventually all disappeared. We're going to talk about that. One thing was clear, we're not getting the whole story. All manner of apocalyptic scenarios were running through my head that morning when I when by chance I received a very strange message that pointed to a less than fantastic but horrific explanation. It was a text message that had been sent on a borrowed phone to a man's wife. According to the person who forwarded it to me, a man who had just returned from what many now call as the Gulf Death Gyre. 
The message was emailed to a family friend who posted it on Facebook, and it has since been recirculated. Here is the text. You will notice a few colloquialisms that are specific to the Bayou talk, meaning kind of the way the little way that they talk. So read through the lines and forgive the misspellings. Here's the text message. I have to write this mail on a new cell phone because they have taken our phones off of us. People don't know how bad this oil is. I'm working in a cleanup operation. Okay, so continuing here, uh, let's see. We have two mascots with us, Puffy and Ramsey, and uh, they're they're uh, powder puff Chinese crested powder puff uh, doggies, and they're our official mascots for the. Uh, End time current event Bible study from now on. And uh, Puffy just decided that he wanted to try my coffee. I had some organic coffee here. And uh, Puffy had a little drink, and uh, so we had to kind of get that all hammered out. And uh, uh, Puffy's probably going to be very energetic here. Anyway, let's go further here. So um, this text message, I'm going back to it. He says, I'm working in a cleanup operation, and we've, we've all had to sign a legal paper. It stops us from talking to anyone. Now, again, this is something, this is a fact. That is true. If you work for BP, you had to sign papers where you couldn't say a word about it. And it was a great way they could shut up all the fishermen. Because the fishermen were out of work, but they needed work. So then what they did is they, they worked for BP, and they're working for the very company that caused this horrific thing. And they're coming down with health things and this and that. And they also have to keep their mouth shut if they want to, if they want to keep their job. So it's a real it's a great way for BP to shut a lot of people up that would probably normally be very vocal, you know. So he says, I'm working in the cleanup operation. We've all had to sign legal papers. Uh, I'm on shore now and can't tell you where. I've just finished a very long shift in the Gulf, and I'm texting this as fast as I can. The military are watching us. The, the dolphins, the whales, the seabirds, and the fish are all floating dead on the surface of the water. He, he said, I see more and more. Boats, helicopters are scooping them away, dead and dying. Whales are being exploded by the military because they can't be carried. The dead bodies, as far as the eye can see, the smell of benzene in the air. We've seen birds fall from the sky, workers falling sick. We think some workers have died. My friends are hard oilmen. And it was okay, it was not okay at the start, but now, when it all started, but now we cry. Uh, dead sea life as big as genocide. You won't, you won't, you can't imagine it. Okay, that was the that was the text message. So back to the story. It says since no one has yet been able to get this individual to go on record, and the Facebook post was eventually taken down. This can't be taken as hard evidence, but it does beg the question: just how many animals have died because of the worst oil spill in U.S. history? Now. That oil, that text message rings true with a ton of other independent reports we have reported on in several other teachings. So I wouldn't have read that unless it didn't ring true with the other stuff we've reported on. But again, it's being suppressed. According to the latest count on the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Wildlife Service Daily Collection Report, and there's a little link to the PDF, they're, they're claiming only 4,100 birds... 670 turtles, 70 sea mammals, and one snake have died in the Gulf since April 20th. Assuming this is a 50% mortality of live animals. It's an astonishingly low number, considering that one of the largest pods of sperm whales in the U.S. resided just miles from the state, from the site of the BP Macanondo Well, which is a.k.a. the Deep Water Horizon Well. This is a region home to one of the most abundant and biodiverse marine ecosystems in the world. Compare those small numbers that we just cited with the Exxon Valdez oil spill. The best estimates on that spill put the toll at a small, which is a small, far smaller oil spill, but that um, the numbers there are much greater than what they're claiming for the Gulf. They're saying on the on the Exxon Valdez oil spill, 200,000 birds, including hundreds of eagles, died. More than 3,000 sea mammals, 20 whales, billions of fish eggs. The accident permanently wiped out the herring population in this Alaskan region. And it was an accident one-tenth the size of Deepwater Horizon. And really, 
you know, it could literally be one one hundredth because we're not getting accurate numbers. I would say one tenth would be, you know, uh, probably not even realistic. So let's go further. The supposed final tally of the BP oil spill is almost five million barrels of crude. Now, if that's what that's what we're we're led to believe, but again, it could be far worse than that. This is compared to only about five hundred thousand barrels for the Exxon Valdez, a one to ten ratio. Yes, the Alaska spill happened closer inland, but the oil was not fully integrated with the water column as it is in the BP gusher which is a far more pervasive and deadly scenario. I mean, in the water column, I believe they're talking about the, uh, the uh, like Gulf Stream and, and, and that type of thing. Okay, and then also, neither, it was not present in that particular spill, was the toxic dispersants like Corexit, a chemical that has ironically been banned in Britain because of its impact on wildlife and human health. And yet it's BP, British Petroleum, that's spraying it. So, again, what we're dealing with here is a gigantic, massive cover-up. Media, they're telling us everything's good, you know, don't worry, go back fishing, go down there, eat the fish. They're going to be opening up the beaches here. Uh, You've got all these different scenarios going on. And it begs the question, you're looking at this and you're thinking, there's no way that you could have this little amount of damage to wildlife. And yet they had a media blackout zone, no flyover areas for a long time. And now why do they have no flyover areas if they weren't trying to hide something? There's just a lot of different things to look at here that, don't, that do not add up. One, one would be forgiven then for assuming there should be a far greater body count than what is currently being reported by Fish and Wildlife Services. The same government office that famously blocked Anderson Cooper from peering past the 10-foot-high barricades that have been put up to enclose a bird-receiving area. According to the map, the count should be the, the count of dead animals should be in the hundreds of thousands of dead birds, tens of thousands of sea mammals, and millions upon millions of fish and shellfish. So where are all the dead bodies? We should be seeing something like the mass dolphin kill off, off Zanzibar that resulted from a much smaller offshore oil leak. Is it possible that a massive cleanup operation in early June was focused on collecting dead animals out at sea and naturally forming death gyres, meaning these animals as they die, they tend to, the the circulation of the water tends to kind of funnel them kind of together and they're almost like mats of dead animals that you're dealing with there. According to a marine toxicologist, Ricky Ott, such gyres of dead and dying animals were common for weeks after the Exxon Valdez oil spill. And we know that BP was doing everything in its power to keep dead animal photographs out of the press. Kate Kate Shepard and Mac McKeelan of Mother Jones documented several instances of BP actually barring photography of dead animals on public beaches. I received two first-hand accounts indicating that some sort of processing operation was taking place. One from Alabama, a rig operator contacted a a rig operator contacted to work in an abandoned naval yard was his contact there, and one on Grand Isle, Louisiana, both reporting the construction of a highly secured, nearly militarized ports that had been converted into quote waste processing areas. Now, I've played audio clips in some of the, the previous ones on this Gulf, where we had guys that were in Grand Isle, and they were saying how super secret and how everybody was so tight-lipped, and there were certain large areas where they couldn't even drive their car. I mean, what were they trying to hide? It really wouldn't make sense if they were just trying to do the cleanup effort of the oil, and they would, wouldn't want you to see that. You'd think they'd want you to see that. Hey, look, we're working hard. But if it was dead animals, it would make a lot more sense. They wouldn't want anybody to see that. Because they can get fined, and, and it's also very, very bad uh, PR for them. He goes on to say, Then I got an email with some interesting photos that were uploaded to Citizen Global, a crowdsourcing news platform, on their Gulf News Desk. Now, there's a lot of photos that go along with this report. I did post some of them in the PDF that I will be posting with this study. Uh, but there's also a lot of links you can click on if you want to re- explore this further. And, uh, again, you can get this on contendingfortruth.com. The PDF will be associated with the study for today. Then he goes on to say, It was a first-hand account by an individual working in the Gulf who reported 
receiving unconfirmed confidential reports that BP is withholding information about fish kills, including that of sperm whales, whale sharks, bluefin tuna, and other marine animals. Following up on these leads, recently I flew over the staging areas where the reports allege that BP has been engaged in these secretive operations. What I saw from air over Shell Beach and Hopsdale, Louisiana, was that there seemed to be a military, they seem to be military projected staging areas where whales could potentially be brought in from offshore, processed under huge white tents, and then carted off in trash trucks owned by a collaborative of oil companies, including BP. I'm deeply concerned that BP has the power to put in place restrictions on access areas to certain areas of ever-growing BP drilling disaster locations and will continue advocating for a change in this policy. A team of journalists, including Jerry Cope of the Huffington Post and Charles Hamble, co-producer of the Academy Award-winning documentary The Cove, went down to the region to investigate. They had some interesting findings to report and got some great interviews with locals on the mystery of the disappearing dead animals. Most notable was their finding that some municipal dumps have been secured by law enforcement officials in the area, and several individuals reported the dumping of bags of full rotting carcasses. You might be wondering about the motive. Sure, BP wanted to keep the full gruesome reality of their toxic nightmare out of the press as much as possible. But was that enough to motivate to warrant such a massive and expensive operation? Probably not. A greater incentive may have been the fines the company would have incurred if the correct number of dead carcasses had been tallied and verified. At $50,000 a pop, hundreds of thousands of dead animals could spell bankruptcy for BP. Now, there's a link to the $50,000. There's a reason they put that in there. Um... And that's something that no one, including the U.S. government, would have wanted to happen. So again, you follow the money. Uh, Let's see. Jerry Cope and his team spent two days flying over the Gulf, and from what he has seen, the whole Gulf is a strange greenish color, with nothing moving. Wildlife is virtually non-existent. This would indicate that not only are thousands of people sick, but a vast amount of wildlife throughout the Gulf has either been killed or left crippled. Corporate news has enthusiastically declared that 75% of the oil has dissipated. This criminally negligent report on the part of these so-called news outlets must not go unpunished. The media is supposed to play an important part in our society by providing checks and balances. Well, we all know that's a joke, but you know, maybe at one time it was the case, but not now. Or at least to a certain extent it was the case. When they fail to do so, not only are they failing at their job, they are jeopardizing the lives of thousands. So they undergo this massive, gigantic cleanup effort to skim the surface of the waters to get rid of all these dead animal carcasses. This is most likely why they lock down the Gulf. Um, Then what they do is they're spraying dispersants, sometimes night and day, over where the oil's coming up so they can sink the oil and hide it that way. And then a lot of times what they do is if it gets up on the beach, they just plow more beach over it so that it looks like a white sandy beach, but underneath it is all oil. So these are the things that they're doing in order to, to uh, you know, regarding this cover-up. So let's go further here. Meanwhile in Louisiana, a dive team has found oil under their feet. That's right. In a scene similar to the beaches around Exxon Valdez, oil has been filmed spewing out from underneath the beach. And again, that would make sense if they had actually put it under, you know, plowed it over with, with sand. Oil companies using their corporate puppets in the mainstream news have been documented leaving the spill-infected areas to basically rot, while at the same time publicly declaring that they did everything possible in their cleanup efforts. Their cleanup efforts were beyond a joke from the very beginning. And again, their cleanup efforts were essentially Kregs at 9,500. Spraying it, sink the oil, which what it does is not only does it create gigantic undersea kill zones... But you're, you're robbing the oxygen out of the water and you're creating this chemically toxic soup. And another thing that it does is, remember how we had talked about in times past where they were using enzymes to clean up these oils? Or these microorganisms, microbes? Well, guess what? The microbes don't work when you use the Corexit because the Corexit kills the microbes. If it was just oil and they would have used those microbes to begin with, they could have they uh, got the oil just from that alone. They never, they never did it. They used Corexit, which would kill all the microbes. So, everything they could have done to botch this, they did, it seems. 
People need to understand this. The oil has not been dissipated. The stated purpose of the Craigslist 9500 and other dispersants of the same nature is to push the oil under the water. In fact, Professor Ian McDonald of Florida State University has gone on record stating that 40 to 45% of the oil is currently caught up in the underwater plumes. Every day it looks more and more like Agenda 21 is playing out before our lives. This is the depopulation uh, agenda. The plan is to kill 80% of the world's population has been put into overdrive, and the Gulf being a major part of that overall plan. Now, we're going to be talking a lot about this in this study and in the next study, where I'm going to discuss a lot on what they're doing to the food and the water uh, to kill us. I mean, it's getting so flagrantly obvious, in the vaccines, it's getting so flagrantly obvious, I can't even hardly believe what I'm, what I'm seeing in front of me. Next article is uh, state-sponsored terrorism targets Deep South for Agenda 21. This is from Human Rights Examiner. This is a quote from David Rockefeller from September 23, 1994. He said, he said, quote, This present window of opportunity, during which a truly peaceful and interdependent world might be built, will not be open for too long. We are on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis, and the nations will accept the new world order. End of quote. So, again, they're going to always use crisis to their advantage. Okay, so continuing. Obama and his administration and the military continue aerial spraying of the Gulf of Mexico's people, their air, their water, their land, their food, with a neurotoxic pesticide banned in other countries. Corexit, which is called Corexit. Congressman Gerald Nadler's Stop the Spray bill um, demand uh, where scientists are demanding to stop it and the BP protesters will unlikely end this crime against humanity planned and conducted with sophisticated, I'll bet, evil petrochemical military-industrial complex expertise. The CIA, the Defense Department, the EPA, and the petrochemical giants have been bedfellows for decades, under the covers of darkness, secretly manufacturing and testing aerial spray chemical weapons on America and other nationals, nations, to control and depopulate um, the world. I mean, again, we have the chemtrails we can look at alone. Uh, you can look at that and, and make a really good case. Trusting this cabal and its collabor- collaborating local, state, and federal agencies claiming their research proves anything be- beneficial for humanity is tragically naive and dangerous. Its operation is saturating the Deep South with some 2 million gallons of deadly chemicals brewing with crude oil poisons. Now, I've said this before, I'll say it again, and we're really going to drive this point home on Sunday when we do that study. They are trying to kill us. They are trying to depopulate the Earth. They didn't just put those Georgia Guidestones up for nothing where they want to depopulate the world to 500, uh, 500 million people, which would be about a 95% reduction of current population levels. Not quite, but almost. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill God's creation, whether it's human, animal, whatever. And that's hard for a lot of people to understand how somebody could be so overtly evil, but you have to understand, they are of their father, the devil, and of his lust, they will do. The devil lusts for death. And the thing these people don't understand is when... If, if he were ever able to get the useless eaters killed, he'd turn on them too. They're just, they're just pawns to do his bidding. And they think that they're going to rule and reign with Satan in hell. That's literally what they're taught at high-level Luciferianism and Satanism. They think they're going to rule and reign with Satan. It's, they're, they're deluded. But unfortunately, this is what we're dealing with here. And there's some more links here if you want to go uh, further. Now, here's another thing. I have quoted... Matthew Simmons quite a bit in several of the teachings. Well, guess what? He just died suddenly of a heart attack all of a sudden. Now, let me read you some quotes from Matthew Simmons. Uh, First quote, The relief well will fail, and an undersea oil lake may be covering 40% of the Gulf. Now, this guy is a real high-level prominent oil investor. And so, his quotes have a lot of uh, weight Next quote: What we don't know anything about is the open hole which caused by the drill, which was caused by the drill bit, when it tossed the blowout preventer out of the way of the hole, and 120,000 
barrels minimum of toxic poison have now covered the floor of the Gulf of Mexico. So what they're talking about is the biggest environmental cover-up ever. And they knew that that well, that riser, would finally deplete. And then they could say it's over. And unfortunately, now we now have the Gulf of New Mexico or Gulf of Mexico killed. He also said it could be 24 years before the deep water gusher ends. He also said we've now killed the Gulf of Mexico. Prominent oil investor Matt Simmons died of a heart attack last night in his home in North Haven, Maine, according to police reports. The famed energy banker was a prominent proponent of peak oil theory and most recently got attention for his dire calls about the fate of the Gulf of Mexico. The debate about the effect of deep water horizon oil spill, he thought, would be cataclysmic and would lead him to split from his old firm, Simmons & Company, of which he was the chairman emeritus. Now, I'm telling you right now, I, I've seen in my studies over the years, they can induce heart attacks, and they, they can literally pull up in your driveway or pull up in the street out in front of you, and they have technology right now where they can induce heart attacks. Now, I'm not saying that God can't protect you as a born-again Christian. I firmly believe that. But this guy wasn't a born-again Christian. I mean, if he was, I sure didn't know about it. So people like that, that are going to go against the New World Order, that don't have any protection from God, are totally wide open and have no real protection unless God so chooses to have mercy and protect them. But it just seems weird to me that all of a sudden he died. Another guy that just died in the last two to three weeks was Christopher Story. Now, I understand, I'm not saying that I ever believed everything that Christopher Story ever said, but one thing he was about, and that was about exposing the New World Order, about the Bush, Clinton, Obama, the whole nine yards. Uh, he was dedicated to that, and he did put out some things I never saw anyone put out regarding that situation. The problem with Christopher Story is his information was very, very hard to verify. It was, uh, it was at such a high level that you really weren't 100% sure. But the fact remains is he was assassinated. He came over here on a trip, and they they poisoned him with some. Um, in, in fact, if you if you read the full report, I think Benjamin Fulford had a full report on it. He says that he was poisoned with some type of biological agent or whatever. And uh, now he's dead, and he was one of the main main ones coming against this this type of information. So I think that they're really ratcheting it up a notch when you when you hear what we're going to talk about on Sunday you're going to realize how aggressive they're getting and how out in the open and, and how it's like the gloves are off. They don't really care anymore, who knows. They're getting just so flagrant. And again, I see it over and over and over again. They're getting more and more flagrant. And again, these are things that we should be um, in prayer about, not just wringing our hands about and getting all scared. The Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. And we don't want to walk around in fear of man, but these are things that we should be praying about. Uh, next article is global taxation through the United Nations is becoming a reality. This is from a news brief entitled UN Panel Explores New Taxes, Incentives to Raise $100 billion for Annual Climate Change Fund. This is from Fox News, August 5th. Uh, this was in Bonn, Germany. Carbon taxes add-ons to international airfares and a levy on cross-border money movements are among ways being considered by a panel of the world's leading economists to raise a staggering $100 billion a year to fight climate change. How radical is this taxing proposal for a non-existent problem? The answer may shock you. In short, a new industrial revolution is needed to move the world away from fossil fuels to a low-carbon growth. Now, again, I've stated this in the past. Ever since Tesla we've had free energy available. And that was a long time ago. But again, free energy or anything like that has been totally suppressed because we they have to keep us dependent on them. And the way that's been done for many, many, many years is through fossil fuels on a lot of different levels. Whether you're talking about gasoline, diesel, kerosene, whatever, uh, oil, we've been totally dependent on fossil fuels. This is how some of the richest, most wicked, evil companies on the planet profiteer off us. Look at BP. Look at how wicked they are. We don't have to look any farther than them, and we've done study after study after study on their wickedness to know these, these companies are pure evil. And if somebody comes out with something like 
the guy that invented the car that ran on water. He's dead. I mean, there's a trail of dead bodies of inventors that have invented um, either free energy or things like cars that run off water or cars that get uh, carburetors that get like you know 400 miles to the gallon. That informa- that that technology is available. But what will happen is these co- petro companies or the elite will come in and they'll either buy these guys off and the technology will never see the light of day, or they kill them. They do one of two things. That's it. So, again, we're just being lied to and controlled in this manner. Wouldn't it be nice when, you know, as born-again Christians we get to heaven and we don't have to deal with all this manipulation garbage on a daily basis? You know, God's not going to manipulate us, but these people do. And this is all they're about. They're just about deceiving and lying to us on every level. So, let's go further. Uh... When the Illuminati suffers a defeat on one of their pet global projects, they simply shut their mouths for a short time, allowing the fervor over their radical proposal to die down in the news. Then they quietly convene governmental panels to implement their proposal, ignoring the fact that their original premise has been proven to be completely bogus. In the area of climate change, opposing scientists brilliantly set for their objections, showing that the climate change is bad, bad science. Then, just as a huge global conference was convening in Copenhagen last year, someone leaked emails between the climate change scientists in which we learned that they were very bold when speaking amongst themselves in admitting that they had no effective science behind their claims regarding this global warming. We further saw that these emails, that these scientists cooked the books in a number of critical areas. While this Copenhagen conference achieved some of their goals, they were stymied in making huge, cha- huge changes. Remember, that was right after Obama got the Nobel Prize and he went there and he was going to straighten everything out. But now a panel of the world's leading economists are meeting quietly in Bonn, Germany to pass international taxation laws. Of course, no individual citizen of any single country will get a chance to lobby their representatives to what they think about getting hit with these new taxes from the United Nations, no less. If this new taxation program does go through and if individual governments actually collect the new taxes and passes the monies to the UN, I mean, that's just like giving money to Satan, we can expect an entire slate of new global taxes very soon. Occult leaders are literally chomping at the bit for an effective United Nations that has teeth. Just as Christians are looking for the coming of Jesus Christ, those involved with the occult or their New Age belief systems are anxiously awaiting the coming system of a world government led by the one the one that Christianity calls the Antichrist. See, the, the occultists and the New Agers and the Satanists are waiting for the Antichrist, you know, much in the same way as a Christian would, would be looking forward to Jesus Christ coming back. They're doing the same thing. Um, just totally different, different flavor there. So this is the underlying premise of the New Age movement, the Illuminist Freemasons and the Fabian Socialism, Theosophy, and other occult groups. As a result, many involved in the occult world have embraced the United Nations as the vehicle by which this system will transpire. It totally makes sense. I mean, the United Nations is all about a one-world government, one-world political system, one-world religious system, and one-world economic system. Well, that's what the Bible says will transpire in the end times, essentially. So, there is no better vehicle for that to happen than the United Nations. just makes sense. And it's kind of funny that here we have um, Alice Bailey, the leader of the Theosophical Society, who authored books via automatic writing, which is where this spirit guide and ascended master, Dijual Kuhl, literally wrote through her all these volumes of books. Um, Alice Bailey uh, said of of the United Nations, and this was a long time ago, she said, the UN is the hope of the world. Now that was probably about 80 years ago that she said that. And here we have Maitreya. If you go up to Maitreya's website, the number one as far as they have a reading list they want you to read, the number one books they want you to read are Alice Bailey's books. They were all channeled through this false, ascended, probably fallen angel named Dijual Cool, And they are all about and have all been about promoting the United Nations from almost their very inception. In fact, Maitreya's website 
the United Nations were the ones that not only sponsored it, but put it up. But then they took that information down after a little while because it was a little too, little too flagrant. Let's go further. John 3.19 says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. So, what we're talking about today, that pretty much sums it up. Men loved darkness. Right? I mean, this is darkness we're talking about. How could somebody be this evil? Well, because their deeds were evil. Their minds were darkened. And unfortunately, this is the uh, this is what we're facing here. Okay, so I'm going to play a little clip here that kind of relates to this subject. It's by Dr. Steve Lawson on the coming persecution. It's about a six-minute clip here. The Word of God reads, beginning in verse nine. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you to the courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. When they arrest you and hand you over, Do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but but say whatever is given, given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And as we look at this today, it should serve as a reminder to all of us that in reality, this world is not our home. We are simply aliens and strangers here and that we are involved in a great invisible warfare. There is spiritual warfare taking place all around us, between God and between Satan, between light and darkness, between the truth and between error, and it will all come to a cataclysmic conclusion in the time of the tribulation. We must not be preoccupied with the things of this world. We must be setting our mind continually upon the Lord in heaven and not upon the things of this earth. If we are living for the things of this world, we will not be prepared and we will not be ready at the time of the fulfillment of these things. And so he begins with this call for the alertness of the believers. We need to have our spiritual eyes open. At the time of this fulfillment, believers will be delivered up to the government officials and will be publicly flogged and beaten and whipped and many of them unto martyrdom and unto death. No wonder, he says, be on your guard to be ready so that your confidence is strong in the Lord when such a time of tribulation would come upon the scene. He says, for they will deliver you to the courts. The very same word is used in verse 11 when he says they will hand you over. What we obviously draw from this is that it will become a crime, a capital crime, to be a Christian, and it will become a crime worthy of death to hold to Christian values in a godless society, and religious freedoms will be removed as it relates to Christianity. Mark it down. There is no other implication to draw from this. To be a Christian and to stand for Christian values in the last day will be a punishable offense in the courts 
that will lead even to death. And do not do we not see before our very eyes the changing of a culture and the changing of a society before our very eyes? It would not take very much more altercation in the times in which we live than to see these verses fulfilled in the immediate future. The one thing that will not be tolerated in the last days is to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this should sober up every one of us here today that I need to set down deep roots in the Lord Jesus Christ before these hard times come if I should be living in that last generation. The real issue that the world has with us is Christ. The real hatred is towards Christ. And we who bear the name of Christ, and we who preach Christ, and we who preach the exclusivity of salvation in Christ alone, and we who preach the Ten Commandments and the morals that are laid out for the family and the home, we will become public enemy number one in the world. And the reason will be ultimately... Because of Christ. Christ is the stumbling block. Christ is the rock of offense that causes the world to be offended. And because we simply speak His message, they will come and arrest us. Okay, so the reason uh, I, I played that clip right there was because we were just talking about you know, the United Nations, and seeing how they're gaining more and more strength, how they're finding all these different ways where they're actually going to fund. See, when, when they have ways of globally taxing humanity, you know at that point the United Nations is really going to gain power, and they're really going to start showing their teeth at that point. And again, the United Nations is all about one world, religion, government, economic system, the whole nine yards, one more currency. The United Nations, in and of itself, will not tolerate any religion that says, I am the only way. Christianity has a unique position in that that is its premise. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For you are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That was Ephesians uh, 2.11. So, again, um, we have this exclusivity, as he said, of Christ, and it is offensive to virtually every single other religion on the planet. Now, all these religions at some point in the very near future are all going to be coming together and they're all going to be getting on the same playing field. And they're going to be looking around and saying, hey, well, hey, everybody should be with us. And then they're going to be looking and seeing true born-again Bible-believing Christians are not going to be going along with that. And all the other cults within pseudo-Christianity like the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses and the Seventh-day Adventists, they're all going to get on board to a certain extent, probably totally on board, because they're at, at, the, at the very heads of those different cults, you've got Satanists, essentially. These are, are people that were literally prepositioned within these... I mean, we talked about Joseph Smith, the last study that we did on, on what a satanic, and Brigham Young and these... how satanic these people are. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. Well, the foundations of these different pseudo-Christian religious cults were corrupted from the very start, and if the head is sick, the whole body is going to be sick. And it's, um, I just thought that was a good place to kind of put that little clip in there to kind of, you know, get us to understand, you know, what, what's going on here. Now, again, we don't want to walk around in the fear of man. And, you know, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Um, you know, you can do things like praying certain psalms for protection. And uh, Psalm 64, Psalm 91, God always does preserve a remnant. So I'm not here to be all doom and gloom and, and you know, 
that either. But I think we need to have kind of a balanced biblical perspective on this particular issue. And um, the Bible predicts it. And it's not something we should go around and, and be uh, wringing our hands about. It Really, all it does is confirm the scripture. So, Okay, so we're going to look at this next video now. And this is regarding the monumental land grab that is taking place and has taken place to a large extent. And it's just the last couple minutes of a video that, um, that I, I, I received the other day. And um, very, very insightful stuff here regarding, it's kind of regarding this whole situation about the government taking away more and more and more uh, from us. So let's go ahead and listen in here. This Scott River area and the entire Klamath River system on up into Oregon is slated to become a national monument with the stroke of a pen. And under the name of environmentalism and saving the environment, all the people in the communities in this area, a huge area, are slated to be moved out by 2012. Now they're going to give them something for their properties, etc. But they're going to move them on out of here. And Okay, and again, this is part of the massive monumental land grab that's taking place right now across America. A lot of times we don't see a lot of this on the news. This isn't something they want to put up on the front page. But he is in an area that is scheduled by 2012, you know, to be essentially, you know, no habitation zone. And uh, he's a prospector. Uh, he goes around the country, and it's something he does kind of on a part-time deal. But he'll go different places and look for different types of gemstones and, and gold. And he's, he's, he's a... Very, very interesting guy. It's finding gold um, is is the uh, the uh, actually it's on YouTube. It's FLA Gold, and he's got a lot of very insightful stuff up on some of his videos. And I thought this one was was rather um, thought provoking. Let's go further. As soon as it's approved, Senate signs it. Fully one twentieth of your nation's minerals and metals will have been effectively seized by the federal government. It was about 1999 that I began to notice a pattern with the Clinton administration's lands legacy initiative. And that was that the western oil and gas fields were being systematically removed from the Bureau of Land Management and replaced as national parks where oil and gas drilling could not occur. At first I thought that was simply a payoff to his uh, political backers who were the end of China. Okay, so when we take land from the Bureau of Land Management, if you can actually stake claims, if, if it's what they call BLM land, Bureau of Land Management, you can actually stake a claim or go and actually, like if you were a prospector, for instance, you could go there and, and, and actually uh, stake claims and things of this nature and actually go work that land. But once they turn it over to a, like a national monument or a national park system, you can't do that anymore. The land's effectively seized. So the minerals and the things that are in that land are bound up in that land, and we can't get to them. What it is is it's just one more way in the future that we might be able to make a living they're taking that away from us okay for a lot of people particularly in california they banned um what they call uh, uh dredging in in the rivers um and i don't mean dredging with huge dredges these are these are very small and they actually help the river system this year they just banned that and it put a ton of prospectors that were making an honest living totally out of work and they're just doing this systematically where they're taking these things away. Also, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna ban any um, uh, oil drilling or that in these areas as well. Now I understand, like I said, they're suppressing the free energy, but what they're trying to do is create such a situation where we're dependent on fossil fuels and then we've got to go over to the Arab nations and get their oil and therefore 
It's this big cause and effect crisis that they're creating. And it's just one more thing where we're, we're, we're dependent on a foreign nation, just like we are China right now. Now, I'm going to be stopping this a little bit along the way because he's throwing up things on this video. And it starts out by lands or seized, lands that have been seized by the federal government. Nevada. 54 million plus acres, or 54% of Nevada, has been seized by the federal government through these types of things. This is land that was mostly Bureau of Land Management that went over to some type of national monument or national park type system. Let's go further. Um, and Saudi Arabian oil and gas consortiums. But Idaho, 32 million plus acres, or 60% of Idaho. 60% of a state? Arizona. 30 million plus acres, or 41.5% of Arizona. This is insanity. Now with the Obama administration, we see the systematic tying up of our mineral and metal lands. California, 44 million plus acres, or 44.7% of California which is what, like the third largest state? Colorado, 23, almost 24 million acres, or 36% of Colorado. Notably, some of the gem fields in Oregon, and now the Klamath River system. Montana, 25 million acres, or 27.5% of the state. Washington, um, 10 over 10 million acres, or 27%, roughly 27% of the state. As uh, national monuments pulled out of the Bureau of Land Management and thereby bypassing the 1872 mining law and... Wyoming, 30 million plus acres, or 48% of the state. ...confiscating our mineral and metal wealth as well. I hope Americans wake up, especially the young, because by the time their mineral and metal resources are taken from them, they, their enslavement will begin. So anyway, I, I thought that was kind of pertinent to what we're talking about here uh, today. He, he pretty much summed it up pretty succinctly. And it's very much related to what we're, what we're looking at here. Now, next article, where they're taking away more of our rights... Uh, collecting rainwater is now illegal in many states as big government claims ownership over our water. This just came out on, national, uh, on uh, natural news by Mike Adams the other day. Many of our freedoms we enjoy here in the U.S. are quickly eroding as the nation transforms from the land of the free into the land of the enslaved. But what I'm about to share with you takes the assault on our freedoms to a whole new level. You may not be aware of this, but many western states, including Utah, Washington, and Colorado, you know, a couple of those we just mentioned, have long outlawed individuals co from collecting rainwater on their own properties. This is insanity, again. As bizarre as it sounds, laws restricting property owners from, quote, diverting water that falls on their own homes and lands have been on the books for quite some time in many western states. Only recently, as droughts and renewed interest in water conservation methods have become common, have individuals and business owners started butting heads with law enforcement over the practice of collecting rainwater for personal use. Now, again, what they're trying to do is trying to create these zones where the federal government comes in and, and basically seizes all of this land. They get you cordoned off into these corridors where they say you can live. And then they take away what little rights that you have. So you're beholden to Big Brother to the point where they know what's coming. So what they're trying to do is take away every means that you would ha possibly have to survive away from you. Water being one of the, you know, I mean, air being the most important thing as far as just physical survival. Water being second on the list. They have the, having the audacity to tell you that you can't collect water on your own land. This is how bad that these rogue, this rogue government is, is gotten. And what I didn't know is that this has actually been on the books for quite a while in some of these states. 
uh, let's see here. Today we've basically been reprogrammed to think that we need permission from the government to exercise our unalienable rights when in fact the government is supposed to derive its power from us. The American Republic was designed so that the government would serve the people to protect and uphold freedom and liberty. But increasingly, our own government is restricting people from their rights to engage in common sense fundamental actions such as collecting rainwater or buying raw milk from a farmer next door. Today, we are living under a government that has slowly siphoned off our freedoms only to occasionally grant us back a few limited ones under the pretense that they're doing us some type of favor. Next article. This is HR 5741. This is going to really... Uh, not make you happy. The Universal National Service Act slavery bill. Have you heard about this yet? We're going to play a little video clip on this as well. This segment was clipped from the 56th edition of the Reality Report. Gary Franchi zooms in on Charlie Rangel's slavery bill, H.R. 5741, and exposes the ethics violations looming over his head. Uh, please watch and share. And I also give you a link to the actual text of the bill online so you can see that we're not making this stuff up here. This is actually happening. In our last show, we declared Charlie Rangel the enemy of the state for his introduction of the Universal Slavery Act, H.R. 5741. We left you hanging without providing In our last show, we declared Charlie Rangel the enemy of the state for his introduction of the Universal Slavery Act, H.R. 5741. We left you hanging without providing you all the details. So let's take a look at what it's all about and what people are saying. The bill opens up with a summary. To require all persons in the United States between the ages of 18 and 42 to perform national service either as a member of the uniformed services or in civilian service in furtherance of the national defense and homeland security. Now, you might be asking yourself, what's wrong with that? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, right? Well, on its face, that's what this is telling us, is to require all persons to perform national service. Merriam-Webster defines require as to claim or ask for by right and authority. Service is defined as the work performed by one that serves. Let's look at the bill. Section 101, Part 3 defines national service as military service or service in a civilian capacity that, as determined by the president, promotes the national defense, including national or community service and service related to homeland security. Section 103 describes what requirements must be met to force you into national service. Part A states that the President shall provide for the induction of every citizen of the United States and every other person residing in the United States who is between the ages of 18 and 42. Part B states induction into service will occur when 1. A declaration of war is in effect. Two, the president declares a national emergency. And three, members of the Army, Navy, Air Force, or Marine Corps are engaged in contingency operations pursuant to a congressional authorization for the use of military force. Section 104 declares your servitude will last for a two-year period. Section 106 requires every person subject to induction shall be physically and mentally examined and shall be classified as to fitness to perform national service. I think Brown Coach 78 hits the nail on the head when he left this comment on the bill at congress.org. He said, it's hard to miss the irony of a black man, Wrangle, introducing a bill that would make all American citizens slaves. I guess slavery is okay as long as everyone is enslaved equally. Well, except our government masters, of course, and the government is the one doing the enslaving. All this comes on the heels of the House Ethics Committee investigation into a report that he used his congressional seat to benefit his financial interests by failing to declare $239,000 to $831,000 in assets on his disclosure forms and on his effort to raise money for a private center named after him at City College of New York using his congressional letterhead. 
And then there's a separate case that he broke congressional gift rules by accepting trips to the Caribbean that were financed by corporate special interests. To sum it up, the congressman who suckles on the teat of corporation and violates disclosure laws now wants you to become a loyal subject to the federal government. So I ask you, what will you do if forced into national service at Obama's command? Serve or refuse? You can email us at feedback at freedom.tv, tweet us at Reality Report, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We want to hear your answer, and we just may read it on next week's show. I need to get some cool intro music and like that guy's got. Um, anyway, um, you know, as far as that question, if it was asked to me, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to serve Satan. And this is all under the president. Every, every single directive of this bill, uh, most wicked, you know, president we've ever had and wicked wrangle, uh, just the hypocrisy is just unbelievable regarding this. And this is, I mean, between 18 and 42, we're talking millions upon millions upon millions of people would be, uh, you know, forced into this. And, and I would almost guarantee you, because this has to do with almost like, you know, like a, a mil- in a military capacity here, I mean, it can be declared if there is a national uh, emergency, okay? Well, that could be something like the Gulf. That could be something like a false flag nuke on our soil. That could be something like some cataclysmic event. And then literally millions of millions of people would be obligated to serve this two-year period. And um, I would almost guarantee you, just like going into the military, there would be all kind of required vaccinations that would be mandated for you to be able to serve this. And if you refuse, then you'd be like, you know, who knows? 30 days in the electric chair, or whatever they would impose on you as a punishment. I'm being facetious. But it's just, it's total insanity. Everything that we're talking about today, and increasingly that we're talking about as the days and weeks go by, it's just, it's more insane. Every week. I can't even believe this information, hardly, that we're reporting on. Uh, next article, the federal government is actively working to remove the sovereignty of individual states. Now, let me just look at this. Uh, I tell you what, let's go ahead and go to the next part two, because I don't think I'm going to be able to get all this in on this particular part here. So we'll see you in part two. God bless you.